apparently foreign soccer players have the best goal celebrations. I don't know. That was all like that same team, too. I just found that YouTube clip. But all right. By the way, Amanda, I expect to see some of those this year. Just, yeah, make that happen for us, would you? Yeah, I know you can. Uh, all right. So after the goal celebration in, a, in any sport, I mean, soccer, obviously, they have the reputation for having those funny ones. But I don't know why this is here. What, uh, after the goal celebration, what happens next? They keep playing, right, they start over, you got to go back to playing, right? you got to get refocused, you know, you kind of, they, they, they got to kind of get their, their minds focused for the next play because they don't waste too much time before the next, uh, the next, the ball goes back into play. And uh, what happens if you're not paying attention when the ball goes back into play? You get scored on, right? Right, anybody, I mean, yeah, it really stinks. So whose job is it to get the team back focused? The coach, huh? Someone on the team, right? Maybe a captain or something like that, right? Yeah, like somebody, you know, each person kind of is responsible for themselves. But, you know, there's usually that one person that's, all right, guys, let's go. Let's focus. Come on, let's get back into it because the ball's about to get back into play, right? So that's kind of where we're at tonight. Uh, we're going to look in the book of Judges if you want to. You've got to, you can, you can look it up on version, of course. It's always on there. And uh, we're going to show, we're not going to show the whole there's like a nine section, uh, scripture section I'm going to talk about. I'm not going to show every one of them. But let me give you a little context here before we get into the scripture, okay, and why this applies to soccer goal celebrations. What is Joshua's most famous accomplishment in the Old Testament? What did Joshua do? Fought the Battle of Jericho, right? Joshua fought the Battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. And, uh, and so Joshua led the people of Israel into the promised land. Moses dies before they get into the promised land. Joshua leads them into the promised land for real. They start to get settled, okay? And so that's where we're at here. We're going to be in Judges chapter 2. And, uh, and so Joshua has led the people into the promised land. They've settled their spot. They're kind of there. And, uh, and while Joshua was alive, they served God faithfully, okay? During Joshua's life and his generation, the people of Israel served God faithfully. Start in Judges chapter 2, verse 10. It says, after that whole generation, that's Joshua's whole generation, had been gathered to their ancestors, which means they were dead, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done. For Israel. So what did Joshua's generation see the Lord do? In the book of Exodus, from Exodus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, in those four books, what are some of the crazy things that Joshua's generation saw God do? Yes, besides Jericho. Yes, yes, and Moses' generation too. Parting the Red Sea, yeah, Joshua's generation would have seen that. They might have been little kids, but most of them would have seen that, Yes. What did she say? Manna falling from the sky. I can't hear her. She's so quiet. I don't know what she says. Yeah, be her, her megaphone, would you? Yes, they saw manna. For 40 years, God provided manna from the sky for them to eat. What else happened while they were wandering in the wilderness? What other kind of crazy things? Or before that? Yes. These JBQers, man. Yep, he stopped the flow of the Jordan River right before they fought the Battle of Jericho. They crossed the Jordan without getting wet. Yes. Yep, food from the sky. Yeah, man, yeah. And there was, you're right, there was a meat from the sky too. What about uh, even before that, that Joshua's generation would have seen? What happened? How'd they get out of Israel? Yes. The Red Sea, which is where you were going, which I think... 
Right, that already got said. The ten plagues, right? We got the, the frogs and the water turned to blood and the locusts and the, the firstborn. And, and uh, yes, God brought water from a rock. That's true. He actually did that a couple times. Um, well, the first time, the, it happened twice. The first time he did it right. The second time he did it wrong. Glad the older kids are finally contributing to the conversation here. But uh, water came from the rock. And uh, with the ten plagues and the Passover and, and all these things that Joshua's generation had seen God do. They were there. They lived through some of this stuff, okay? You know, they saw all of this stuff. They saw, there was something else I had in mind, but I forgot what it was now. Oh, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, like, which would freak me out if a cloud just followed me around. And then at night it turned to fire. That would be weird. But they saw this stuff. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, the Ten Commandments, right? I mean, yeah, you're right. They weren't right up close to it. But, yeah, I mean, you know, they were there at the foot of Mount Sinai when God wrote the Ten Commandments. So these people had seen that. But this generation after Joshua missed all that. They didn't get to see any of this stuff. Okay, they, hadn't, they had not seen the plagues and the Passover and the Red Sea part. And they didn't see the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. They weren't there when the water came out of the rock. When the river stopped at flood stage, they could cross over. They didn't see Jericho come down because of a shout and some trumpets. They didn't see any of that. They had not been to the source. And so because of that, they turned evil, okay? They had not seen God act in their lives specifically, and so they turned away from God. You say, I've never seen most of that stuff. No, but I know most of you guys here have been filled with the Holy Spirit. You have seen the power of God at work. You have been at camp when, when people have gotten their lives changed. You may have seen sick people healed, literally. You may have seen some literal miracles, but you have seen and experienced the power of God. You have been around it. And so, so, so that's kind of, you guys, would kinda, I would say, would fall into that Joshua era there because you have seen God's work. But these group, they had never seen it. Okay, so they quit following God, and because that happens over the next few verses, which that was verse 10 over verses 11 through uh, 15, it talks about how God allowed them to come under attack, okay? And they start having famines, and their crops don't grow, and, and opposing nations begin to attack and win, and the, the Israelite people, the people of God are under attack, and they're, they're losing battles, and they're being raided by these opposing forces, and all this kind of stuff, and they're going through some hard times. They're getting captured and carried off into captivity. Okay, so that's the next five verses, and that's just a summary of it. In verse 16, though, it says this, then the Lord raged up judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders. Excuse me. Now, what, now, what were these judges like? Anybody know what the judges in the book of Judges were like? Were they like our judges today? They wear robes? I mean, they might have worn robes because that's what everybody wore back then. But, yeah, they didn't wear, like, judges' robes like we think. They didn't swing a gavel, you know. That's not what we think of. When it says judges, kind of what it means is, is leaders. God didn't give them a king, but he raised up these leaders. And whenever there was a judge, God would listen to the cries of the people. They would turn back to God, and he would relent from the attack. But then every time the judge died, the people went right back and were even worse than they were before. So like, okay, they went up to, the, to this point, and then a judge came up and, and rose up and brought the people back to God. And so that's great. And then as soon as that judge died, they'd go to that point and further. They'd get worse and worse and worse. And they're worshiping false idols and they're marrying and they're building altars to all these other gods and the Baals and, and all this stuff. Um, 
that happens during, during this time period. Okay, so, so we have this generation of people that never experienced the power of God firsthand. Although even after they did, because like the judges include Samson. We, we, we know what Samson did. What did Samson do? What are the two like big things that Samson did? Yes. There was like two big things that Samson did. Right, the last thing, right? He knocks down the building. He's blind. He can't see. And he, and he knocks down the building kills all the Philistines. Yeah. What's the other thing he did earlier in the book? Anybody know that one? Yeah? No, he kills like 100 men with a donkey's jawbone. Yeah. He kills a bunch of dudes with nothing but this bone, this jawbone from a donkey. Do what? Right. He sold a secret to Delilah. Right. He wasn't the greatest judge in the world, but I mean, you know. And so, yeah, but he did some crazy stuff that were superhuman. They were miraculous because of God's presence in his life, okay? And, and the judge, Deborah, was a great judge. And so we have these things where something happens to bring the people close to God, and then they fall away. And something happens to bring the people close to God, and then they fall away. And God raises up somebody that draws them back in, and then they fall away. Does that sound familiar to anybody? If you replace the word judges with camp, does that sound familiar to anybody? Hello, me, I'm the chief of sinners on that one. Okay, I've had plenty of times in my life where, you know, the summer camp comes along, you go to camp, we go to fine arts and that kind of stuff, and God doesn't work, and then we get away from that source, and that's a whole other sermon, but we get away from when that happened, and we begin to fall away. And so you have the opportunity to be one of those groups. You can either be the people that fall away, or you can be the judges that draw everybody closer to God. Okay? You have the chance to either be the generation that falls away, or the judges that draw people close to God and call them to repentance and love. Okay, let's look at another scripture here. And everybody should know this one. I hope you guys are, you should at least be familiar with it because it's where we get our name from. First Peter 2.9, anybody want to quote it before it goes up on there? Oh, you looked it up on the thing. Put it up there, Wes. I'm not even going to, I know. I know, it's in KJV on there. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Yes, I know the KJV is the one that uses peculiar, which is why I use it. But when I put it up here, I change some of the yeast to use and the shoe to, to show. So, uh, but yeah. Now, who wrote this? Anybody know who wrote this? Peter, that is correct. Okay. Peter, the disciple, wrote this. He was writing a letter to, some, to, to the churches. And uh, now what, uh, what nationality or religion was Peter? He was Jewish. Yep, Peter, Peter was Jewish. And uh, many of the Christians he was writing to would have been Jewish Christians. They grew up Jewish. Then Jesus came along. They began to follow him. But they would have known the Jewish culture, which means they would have known their history. So when he writes this letter and these Jewish people read it, they would have understood when he says, your royal priesthood, they would have known the history in First and Second Samuel and the Kings and Chronicles. And they would have understood the priests were men of power. The priests were men of, of, of authority, of spiritual authority. And so when he says this, he says, hey, you have what he's saying is not only are you Christians. Yes, he says you have power and authority. And they would have understood that. And so it's the same way to us that that, that is how Peter meant that. Not just that you're weird, which it does say so you're peculiar, but that you have power and authority. The priesthood is a position of, of just that. And so 
When we read that, it's telling us that we have that kind of power and authority. We were chosen. Holy means set apart, okay? He's saying you guys are not just everyday people. You're something different. Now, I've spent plenty of time in from this microphone talking about the first half of that verse, about being chosen and being holy and peculiar. I'm pretty sure at some point I preached a message where I took each one of those and broke them apart. But uh, uh, we're going to talk about the second half of the verse tonight. We're going to focus on this second half a little bit. What were we chosen for? Okay? Because it's one thing to be chosen. How many of you get picked last in sports? I'm the fat kid. I get picked last in sports. Okay? So some of y'all are athletic and those of us that aren't are jealous of you in a little bit. But, uh, right? But this is not that. This is not being chosen for a sports team. This is not being chosen for, uh, you know, some kind of a title or, or to take the role down when there's a sub, which as, as a sub, I, uh, I know how, how some people care about that. This is not about being chosen for some earthly thing. What are we chosen for, somebody? To show off God. Yes, again, you're... You're reading the U version, which is okay. You were chosen, not for some earthly title or anything like that, but we are chosen when the scripture that we get our youth group name from, Chosen Generation Youth, we are chosen to show off God, okay? Uh, it, and because and being chosen doesn't mean anything unless we do something with it. If you get chosen first for the game, but you don't play the game, then getting chosen first didn't do any good, right? Y'all know those people who are like, who are just, like, they're really good at stuff, but they're just lame, and they never want to play, and they're too cool to play, right? Y'all remember those kids? Some of y'all know those people? That doesn't do any good. It's like, hey, man, you're really good at this, and so I want you to be on my team. And they're like, whatever, I'm just going to sit on the side and not participate. You're like, dude, what the heck? Why did I pick you then? Okay? That's not what we were called for. If we don't show Jesus off like we're called for, then we're missing the whole point. We're chosen to let people around us see what God has done in our lives. Remember when you were a little kid? And you got like a sticker at school, or you did a drawing at school. What was the first thing you did when you got home? Put it on the fridge. You show your mom, right? You want people to see it, right? You get that little, she still does that. Let's be honest, right? Is that what you're just saying? Like, yeah. She's like, look, mom, I got a sticker. She's in ninth grade this year. So, uh, <laughs> she just got some awards that can't throw up on the fridge right now. That's fantastic. I love it. See, yeah, see what? Say what, Taylor? Put his report card on the fridge. There you go. You know? He's the smartest in the family. That's his. Okay. So, so when, we, when we get chosen for something like that, we want to show it off, right? We want to show that thing off to people, you know? And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with having accomplishments and, and you know, kind of letting people know that. Although if it becomes prideful, that's a whole other thing. But... But we are chosen, or but we, we want to do that, we want to show things off. Well, Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to any of us. Because without that, we're all condemned to hell. We're all condemned to a life of meaninglessness, of not knowing what we're called to and why we're on this world, you know. And so we have Jesus. We have meaning in our lives. And we have, and we have all these things that Jesus does, all the things that Jesus has done in you. That's the biggest thing we should want to show off. If anything we ever wanted to show off, it should be that. If God has really done a work in our lives, it should be our desire to show that off to people. Okay? And it should be our natural instinct to do that. So, let's move forward. Let's ask another question here. What happens if you show God off? Yes. Sometimes you get what? 
mocked. Sometimes you get mocked. There are times when in this world we'll get persecuted for our faith. That's true. What else happens if you show God off? What did Jesus say would happen if you showed him off? Well, no, that's the, that's the other thing. If we deny him, he'll deny us. That's true. If we, don't, if we don't show him off, if we deny him, it says he'll deny us. Okay? Here, John 12, 32 says, When I am lifted up from the earth, this is Jesus talking, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will do what? Draw people to myself. That's Jesus' words. So when we show God off, eventually it draws people to him. And yes, sometimes in the short term, people will mock us. The Bible does say that, you know, if I was persecuted, so will, so will you. Jesus said that too. But in the big picture, in the, in the grand scheme of things, people are going to be drawn to Jesus when we show him to them. Okay, because Jesus is is life and his love. I mean, I know that's kind of a cliche, you know, little kitty kind of thing, but really that's what people are looking for is to be loved, and Jesus does that for them, even though they don't always understand it at first. I heard a story about, uh, about a guy who, who got bullied his whole life, and, and he got bullied, you know, in junior high and high school, and, and 10 years down the road he ran into that guy, and, and even when he was getting bullied, he showed the love of Jesus to that guy, and he didn't retaliate and stuff. And not that he just, you know, took it. I mean, we can, we can at least remove ourselves from those situations. But, but you know, the, 10 years later the guy came to him and said, hey, you showed me what Jesus was like. You showed me what Jesus looked like when, by your reaction to my meanness. And because of that, the bully had become a Christian. They became good friends. Uh, you remember I showed a video here a few months back about a guy who, who, uh, whose wife and son were killed in a car accident. And the man who had been driving the other car that killed his wife and son, he showed that man forgiveness. He showed that man love. And he, he did his best to, to be like Jesus to that man. And they became really good friends after several years of of healing and forgiveness, but, you know, that's what happens. If we show God off, people will be drawn unto him. If we show God off, people will, and that's what we're called to. So I have some ideas, okay? I talked earlier about our new youth room that's, that's in the works. Um, if you follow me on Instagram or Twitter, I'm just going to warn you, as soon as that stuff starts coming in, my Instagram is just going to be pictures of boxes for, like, every time something comes in. It just is. We've got... Two subwoofers, two speakers, uh, like I said, a soundboard. We've got six white LED lights, six color change LED lights, and four color change LED bars coming, uh, as well as all the other accoutrements. Four trusses, two will be on the, hung from the ceiling, two will be used as stage, as stage design, all kinds of stuff. Now, the reason I say that is because the vision that I have for our youth group Looks something like this. Right now, there's 10 of you here tonight, okay? I'm glad you guys are here. I really am. I love you guys. I always love when anybody's here on youth group because um, I love just hanging out with you guys. But, but you know what? That room, I figure, can hold 50 or 60 fairly comfortably. I would love to outgrow that. You say, we only have 10 here right now. I know, but my vision, my dream for our youth group is that we move up there and then a year later have to move back down because it's just not big enough anymore. We have to figure out what to do with this space to make it, to make it something. You know, I want to outgrow that room. That would be so cool. Just like the kids outgrew the upstairs room last year. You know, they had that little upstairs room on Sunday mornings and there was just too many of them. Now they're meeting in here on Sunday mornings because of the size they have to. I want that to happen with our youth group. Next year when we go to Fine Arts in, in Lubbock, I want to take 50 students. I want to take 50 students to camp. 
camp. We took, I think, 13 this year. I want to take 50 next year to camp. I think that would be cool to take 25 to Orlando for nationals or whatever. Okay, we're going to go on a mission trip, a, a, a domestic mission trip sometime next year. I want to take 25 or 50 people on that, of students on that. Okay, I think that would be really cool. I want our student leadership team. We have four people on our student leadership team right now. I want it to have to be 10 or 15 next year just because of the sheer numbers because that's the way the percentages work, that four people is not enough to lead a group of 50, that we have to, to raise the percentages. That is my goal. That's my dream. Okay, and that's, that's my vision. That's what I want to see happen. That's why we have the student leadership team is to help us get to those places. But, but the reason for all those things, as cool as it would be, to have those kind of numbers and to be able to, to show that kind of success is not so that Tony Ambrose can say he's a good youth pastor. It's not so that Todd Starnes, can, we can say he's a great pastor even though he is. It's not so that uh, I can say look how good Chosen Gen Youth is or look how good First Assembly of God is. It's so that we can point to Jesus and say, look, Jesus is doing something in this place. And we can point to Jesus and show him off. So the question for the school year is, we're not going to have regular youth group next week, I talked about. So this is kind of my uh, beginning of school charge for you guys, even though we're still about 12 days out from school. The question is, will you be that judge's generation? Will you be the generation that, even knowing what God has done, even after you've seen the effects of God's work, will still allow yourself and, your, and the people around you to fall away? Because I've been there. I've been there when you go through those times and you have those, those experiences of God's grace and His power. And then even with that, it's almost a choice. Like there's those moments where you're faced with a choice. You know what? I can read my Bible today or I cannot. I can pray for that friend or I, can, I cannot. I can choose to spend time with Jesus today or I can choose to not or it might be I can choose to take that drink or I cannot or I can choose to click on that website or I cannot we've all been faced with choices like that will you choose to be that judge's generation that falls away even though you know what God can do or will you choose to be the chosen generation that God wants you to be, that God has called you to be, that is set apart? That's what holy means. Holy means set apart. And one of the descriptors in 1 Peter 2.9 is that you are a holy people. That means you're different than those around you. Will you be set apart? Will you choose to not look just like everybody else? Will you choose to show Jesus off and let him do his work? Because when it comes down to it, as cool as lights and, and stuff is, and, and those are all good tools to, to get people where they can see Jesus and to get people where they can hear the word, and those are great. And we're going to make use of every tool we have to us. But when it comes down to it, it's, it's as simple as will we show Jesus to those around us? Or will we be that judge's generation in this school year? I want you to close your eyes. I want you to begin praying. I want you to pray for courage. For courage to stand up when you need to stand up. 
Joshua early in his ministry in the Joshua 1 says, be strong and courageous. So pray for that. Pray for courage. Pray for wisdom to know how to show Jesus to those around you. Pray for your student leaders. Pray for the adult leaders. Pray for me and Wes and and Renee and Diana and Jamie and Kelly who have all been a part of this ministry and all your parents who are leading you and Todd and and Angela and Because as we, as we go into this school year, as we, as we begin this 2014-2015 school year, there's a calling on this church and on this body. Todd talked on Sunday about wanting to have 500 people on Easter Sunday. Last year we had 240. And like I said, I believe we can have 50 in this youth group by the end of next school year. Easy. If we choose to be Jesus to those around us. Heavenly Father, God, I pray for these students. God, I just pray that your spirit right now would come upon them, Lord. God, a fresh refilling of your spirit. God, as they pray over their schools, and as they pray over their friends, and as they pray over this youth group, Lord, God, we know that the prayer of the righteous man is effective. Every one of you guys, got your heads bowed and your eyes closed right now. I don't often do this, but I'm going to throw out the challenge tonight. Without looking around, Will you choose to be the generation that shows Jesus to those around you? Or will you choose to be the judge's generation? With nobody looking around, if you're going to choose to be, to live up to the calling that God has put, the chosen generation, royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people who are called to show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. If you are going to choose to walk in that, put your hand up and put it back down. You don't have to leave it up for a long time. You can put them back down. Thank you. I see all those hands. Now that's really easy to do when our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed. But if you're really serious, you say, I really want to see my school changed. I really want to see uh, people, my friends, come to know Jesus. Most of you guys probably have people in mind right now of your friends that don't know Jesus. And, and if you really are serious about that, it's one thing to raise your hand when nobody's looking. But I want every one of you, if that's you, if you're serious about it, to stand up right now. Everybody around's going to know that you're standing. You can't stand quietly. You can't stand without people around you knowing it. Now begin to pray.
Just begin to speak to God out loud. Begin to, to beg him for your friends. Call them out by name. There is power in prayer and in naming people. And there is power in the spoken word. So begin to prove it. Begin to take some action to show that you're more than just words. You're more than just uh, a hand raised with nobody looking around. Oh God, set something down in us, Lord, that's uncontrollable, Lord. God, begin to move in us. God, develop a passion in us. Even now, Lord, on Wednesday, August the 13th, 2014, Lord, let this be a turning point, God, in our lives, Lord, where we, where we move from being just a, a summer camp Christian, Lord, but to being somebody who's going to take that and who's going to show it to those around us, Lord. Let us be a reflection of you. Set, a, set something down inside of us, Lord. Light something inside of us, God, that cannot be controlled, Lord. It cannot be contained, God, we just pray right now, Heavenly Father, God, that you would begin to work in us, Lord. Lord, you would begin to, to, to develop that passion, God. Lord, that you would begin to develop inside of us a hunger that cannot be quenched to see those around us come to you, Lord. God, let us weep over those around us, Lord. Let us not be content to know that, that they are there and we are here and that's okay, God. God, I pray that there would be times when we cannot do anything else but cry out to you. Lord, that you would break our hearts for those around us, God. Lord, that we would not be content to just sit back and watch our friends go to hell. God, we would not be con content to sit back and watch the people some of us have known our entire lives and never said anything, God, except maybe to mention that we go to church, but we've never talked about Jesus. We've never shared what he's done in our lives, God. Lord, let that not be okay anymore. God, let that not be acceptable. God, let that halfway, partial Christianity, God, go by the wayside. Lord, you said you would spit out those that are lukewarm. And so tonight, God, let us not be that. God, I pray that each student here would be God a, an unquenchable light God not a a small thing not a not a little something God but that's something that people can see Lord someone that people know there's something different We know that if we lift your name up, you will draw people unto you. We may not always see the result. We may not even understand your process, Lord, but we know that you are faithful to do what you have told us you would do. And so tonight, we pray that that would happen. We believe that that will happen. God, I lift up every, everybody who's sick. Lord, I know there's, there's people who are going through stuff, and there's prayer requests that I don't know right now, Lord, but I pray that you would be with those requests. You know what they are. You know our insides, and you know everything that's going on, and so I just pray that you would do those things, God, that you would be the healer and the great physician, God. And I pray above all, Lord, that you would have your way in our hearts and in our lives, and your will would be done in our lives, God. God, we love you, and we thank you. In your name we pray.